Good evening. It's a pleasure to be with you. Can you hear me fine? Can you hear me okay? All right. I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters of Chiesa Riformata Philadelphia in Milan, Italy. And they are grateful for you and for the work that is going on here and for the ministry of Pastor Nick. And you're also invited anytime that you come to Milan or if you're visiting Lake Como, which is only maybe 20 minutes or so from us, to please visit our church. It's all in Italian. I don't preach in English. And so I hope I do okay this evening in English. But uh, you are invited and we are grateful for visitors. And so we pray for you and we are grateful for your prayers for us. It's also nice to be back in Germany. We are an American family, but we live in Italy. And um, many years ago, my wife and I lived in Heidelberg. And so it's been nice to come visit again. Ich habe vor drei Jahren in Deutschland gewohnt. Ich habe alle meine Deutsch vergessen. It's took me like. So um, we can speak in English, though. Uh, this evening, I'd like you to turn to, with me uh, in the Word of God to Paul's letter to the Galatians. And uh, as Pastor Nick had mentioned, he asked me to speak on the doctrine of adoption during our time together. And so that's what we'll be talking about. That's what we'll be thinking about and, and reflecting on uh, this evening and over the next three days. This very important doctrine called adoption. One of the most comforting, and we could say life-changing, biblical teachings that we can understand and receive. What is adoption? Well, we're probably familiar with that term as it's used in the common language, you know, in English and probably also in, in German. We're probably familiar with the idea of a family adopting a child, parents a couple adopting a child who cannot be raised by his or her biological parents. And, and when that happens, it's a legal act. The, 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 the new couple legally takes this child to be their own. So it's both legal and relational. It's both of these things. And when you adopt... You legally acquire full parental responsibility for the child like any other parent. You, 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 you have a lifelong commitment to this child. And adoption is a way of providing nurture, stability, security, and love of a new family when it is not possible for that child to be raised by his or her biological parents. And likewise, the child receives the surname of the new parents and obtains a legal adoption certificate and becomes a permanent and full member of this new family with all of the privileges of that family and all of its responsibilities. This is adoption. The child's new identity is found legally and relationally in that new family. Now the Bible uses this idea, this concept, 
this understanding of adoption to talk about what has happened to us because of Jesus Christ. That we too have a new parent, a new legal relationship. It is both legal and relational in the sense that God in heaven truly becomes our Father through Jesus Christ. It's one of the greatest blessings that we could ever experience, this new identity that we have as a child of God. And the fact that we get to call the eternal creator of the universe Father. Abba, Father, as we read earlier in Romans 8. God not only justifies us, that is, he declares us righteous on the basis of Christ's righteousness, which is then credited to us, imputed to us by faith alone, but he also adopts us and makes us his. And he becomes our father and we become his child. And that's what we want to explore during our time together this evening and over the next few days. The blessings, the privileges, the responsibilities of our adoption by the Father. And this is so important because it helps us understand our true identity in Christ. You know, so many are looking for identity today. They're searching for identity, seeking to change their identity. We need to know our true identity. Isn't this why we, as families, put pictures up in our homes to remember who we are and where we came from? So if you go to my home and in, in our home in Milan, there's pictures of our family from back in America. We don't want to forget who we are, where we came from. It's important for children to remember that. Well, the same is true with regard to our relationship to God. No identity is more important to remember than our identity in Christ. When we forget our identity in Christ and the fact that we're children of the living God, well, we lose our sense of love and gratitude to God and inevitably our love grows cold and we don't live in a manner consistent with who we are in Christ. So this is important, adoption. And here in his letter to the Galatians, uh, I just want to read a short passage from Galatians chapter 4. If you turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. I'll just read from verse 4 to 7, because this is the heart of what we want to think about this evening. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the Word of God. God helps us understand who we are as believers here in this passage. And 
What we find here is that there's three main things that I want to draw your attention to. Very simple things for this evening. Three things that I want you to notice in this passage. First of all, you're redeemed by the Son. That's your identity. Secondly, you're sealed by the Spirit. This is your identity. And third, you have access to the Father. You have access to the Father, the creator of the universe. Let's think about that. First of all, you're redeemed by the Son. Verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Why is Paul saying this? Well, you, if you know the story to the background to this letter, you know that these churches in Galatia were experiencing problems because some people who were claiming to be Christians said that you not only need to believe in Jesus Christ to be righteous, but you must also keep the law. So it was the righteousness of Jesus, faith in Jesus to receive righteousness, and you must do these things, like be circumcised and keep the ceremonial law. And these people were called the Judaizers. And Paul writes to them, to the church in Galatia, and says, what the Judaizers are teaching is a different gospel. It's not the gospel that I brought to you. If an angel or an apostle or anyone preaches this gospel, let him be accursed. Because what was happening was, all the good news of the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you freely, by grace alone, through faith alone, was being distorted. And these Judaizers were saying, no, you must also do more in order to remain righteous with God. And Paul was having none of that. He says that the Judaizers were bringing the Galatians back into slavery. Slavery to the law rather than freedom. And so that's the background. And, and what, he, what he's pointing out here, and what he points out in the rest of his teachings, is that apart from Christ, apart from the righteousness, the full righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you, inevitably you're a slave. Apart from Jesus, every person is a slave. A slave to the law, by trying to keep the law to be good enough for God, we know what that's like, don't we? A slave to sin, because we can't ever stop sinning. As Paul says to the Ephesians, a slave to the lusts of the flesh, to the desires of the flesh, and a slave to Satan, who is the true master of everyone, who is not in Jesus Christ. This is our condition. And then it's worse than that. Paul says to the Ephesians that apart from Jesus Christ, we're not children of God. We're children of wrath. You know, there's a lot of teaching today that says that, no, we're all children of God. 
Everybody's a child of God. The whole world is... It, it, we're all children of God in some way. Well, it's true that we're all made in the image of God. But Paul's very specific that apart from Jesus Christ, we're children of wrath. We're in a different category. We have a different family. And what the doctrine of adoption is, see, Christ came in the fullness of time. That is, God set forth this plan, this plan into motion to redeem a people for himself, which is what the whole Bible is about. It's about one simple thing, God redeeming a people for himself through Jesus Christ. That before the foundations of the world, the Father chose you for redemption, gave you to the Son. The Son then came into the world at the exact right moment to live the perfect life for you that you could not live on your own, to go to the cross, to pay for your sins, to be raised again from the dead in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. Apart from that, though, apart from Jesus, we are alienated from God. We're not just objects of wrath, as some translations say, we are children of wrath. The Greek word there in Ephesians 2 is actually children of wrath. We need to be adopted. We need a rescuer. We need someone to come and say, you're no longer going to be a slave to your sin and a slave to Satan and a slave to the law. I'm going to redeem you and adopt you into a new family. And this is what the blood of Jesus has done. At the appointed time in history, the Son came into the world to make you his brother or his sister. But in order for us to be adopted by the Father, Christ had to be rejected by the Father. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Christ, your elder brother, paid the cost for your adoption to legally put you in a new family in which God would be your father. And your old ties to slavery and to that old family of sin are cut off, cut clean. And you now have a new relationship. Adoption is not a reward held out to those who are faithful, nor is it a goal held out to children who are good enough to deserve a good home and a good family. Rather, Adoption is a change in legal status that creates a new relationship with a loving father. And our elder brother came and paid the cost, paid it all. He was judged in our place so that we never will be. God's grace comes at a cost to Jesus so that it's free for us, this adoption. It seems too good to be true. But that's how grace works. We are forever at home and in the family of God because of Jesus. 
we forever have a place at the table because of Jesus. When we were on the outside without hope and home, Jesus brought us in to his family. And now we're sealed with him, seated with him in the heavenly places and sealed by the Spirit. You're redeemed by the Son. He paid the cost for your adoption. And you're sealed by the Spirit. Notice what Paul says in verse 6. And because you are sons, okay, in the fullness of time Jesus came, he was born under the law, which means he kept the law himself. The full requirement of God's righteousness is the second Adam, is the true Israel, the true offspring of Abraham. He does for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. But Paul goes on to say, because your sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, which means that at some point in your life, the spirit was sent into your heart. Maybe it was when you were just a child. Maybe it was when you were a young adult. Maybe it was when you were an old adult. At some point, the Holy Spirit came and applied all of the benefits of Jesus Christ to you personally. So that everything that Jesus did doesn't simply remain there on the outside, theoretically, but truly becomes yours. And that's when you begin to think about Jesus and put your faith in Jesus and desire Jesus. All of that happens because of the Spirit. The Spirit then assures us that we really are children of God. Now, Satan doesn't want us to believe we're children of God. Satan always wants us to look at ourselves and say, you haven't been good enough. You fail. You sin. You're not as righteous as the other people in your church or, you know, this guy over here or that woman over there. You should just quit. You're just a hypocrite. This is what Satan says. But you know the struggle. The Spirit then reminds you not to look to yourself, but to look to Jesus. That it's Jesus. It's your elder brother. Look to his righteousness. He was born under the law and fulfilled the law and said, it is finished. You've been adopted. The Spirit assures you that you are a child of God, that you belong to God. And because of the Spirit, we begin to act as the children of God. Now, of course, this is always a struggle in our lives. But the Holy Spirit is the one who begins to work in our hearts, giving us desires to be children that please the Father. Now, God is pleased with us, as we're going to explore over the next few days, because of Jesus Christ. And yet we, by the Spirit, have these desires to please the Father. We want to please the Father. We want to obey the Lord. But it's the Spirit that does that work. It's the Spirit who has applied all of the benefits of Jesus Christ to you, who then begins to work righteousness in you. It is not the law that changes your heart and makes you righteous. 
It's the Spirit using the gospel, the good news. You know, the, the law is important. The law says, do this. Do this and you shall live. The gospel, on the other hand, says, Christ did it for you. And so now we, the law says, do this because you live. Do this because Jesus did it for you. But the law in itself has no power to change your heart. That's important to remember. The law is like the, the walls around uh, the exhibit of a dangerous animal. You know, we lived in San Diego for many years. I was a pastor there for many years. And in San Diego, we have the greatest zoo in the world. I can say that. If you haven't seen it, if you, if you see it, you'll believe me. It's the greatest zoo in the world. And we had uh, season passes, you know, where we could go all the time. We lived close. And my older son uh, loved the tiger exhibit and would go to this tiger exhibit all the time. And uh, he came home one day saying, Dad, I saw the most amazing thing at the tiger exhibit today. Watching this Malaysian tiger, this majestic beast that he would see frequently, move with all of its muscles and sit down quietly in the beautiful exhibit that is a replica of the jungles of Malaysia, but it's really just San Diego. You're protected by these walls. And he's looking through glass. And he said just then, a duck flew overhead and landed in the exhibit, unaware that there's this Malaysian tiger and of course, a tiger being a tiger, what does it do? Like any cat, it watches and it sees the duck land. And the, he said, Dad, the tiger acted just like a normal cat did. It went right into its motion and began to move slowly and then more quickly, more quickly, more quickly. The duck had no idea. It just thought it was in a lush part of the world, oblivious to what was coming. Tiger rushes up, grabs the duck in its jaws, feathers are flying, and people are screaming, and little boys are cheering, and, and you know, he ate the duck. What does any of this mean? The law is very much like the, the walls around the tiger exhibit. It shows us the boundaries. It confines something. It exposes the danger. But it cannot change the nature of the tiger. The tiger is still a tiger. The tiger is not tamed because of the walls. And likewise, the law cannot change our heart. Paul says this in Galatians, actually, just before. He says, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Instead, the law shows us our need for Jesus. It shows us, the, as we read the Beatitudes today, the fact that we need an elder brother to, to complete these things, to fulfill these things, so that I'm right with God. And then what happens is that because the Spirit has been sent into our hearts, He begins to work in our hearts and say, yes, and I too want to do these things. He changes our hearts because of the good news 
of the elder brother. You're sealed by the Spirit who is working in you even now, Christian. Who is working in you even now. You're redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Spirit. And third, you have access to the Father. You have access to the Father. Verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, as you probably know, uh, is an Aramaic term meaning daddy. It's a, a term of endearment, an intimate term that a child would say to his, to his dad, to his father. Not just in a formal way, but in an intimate, relational way. Abba, daddy. The Spirit has been sent into your heart working in your heart. And by the Spirit, who assures you that you're a child of God, you cry out, Abba, Father. You have access to the Father. This is how much God loves you. Father, Son, Spirit, all working in tandem for your adoption. And the Father is delighted when we come to Him as a child saying, Daddy. We know that feeling as parents, don't we? As we're here at a family camp. We know, you know, children who come to us particularly, not just going to any adult, but when they come to their father and they're able to say, Dad, Daddy, they have special access to him. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson tells the story of a friend of his who adopted a child, and a, a little girl, and uh, for some time, the, the father-daughter relationship it was taking time for it to, to gel, we say in English, to, to, to uh, cement. And she was a little nervous around him. And finally one day she walked into the man's study and she was holding a shoe. And she said, Daddy, I need another shoelace. The first time she had called him Daddy. And from that moment the relationship began to change. He finally was able to earn her trust in a sense where she felt comfortable enough to go to him and say, Dad. And brother and sister, the Lord has earned your trust in the sense that he has sent his son for you, just for you. And if you doubt his love for you, look to the Son. Look to the cross. Look to what he's paid. You can call the Father in heaven, Daddy, Abba, Father. You have access to the Father. So you are no longer a slave, Paul says in verse 7, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You're not just a son or a daughter. You're an heir. Your elder brother, Christ, your Lord, you are co-heirs with him. You are seated in the heavenlies with him. The best is yet to come. You have so much that's been given to you. The forgiveness of sins. 
Eternal life, the hope of eternal life. Adoption by the Father, access to the Father. And yet the best is still yet to come in the resurrection. When you will enter into the fullness of your adoption. You are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter. And if a son, if a daughter, then an heir through God. You know, it's interesting that Jesus, and I learned this recently, if you read his prayers in the Gospels, he always addresses God as Father, as Abba. And to my knowledge, there's only one time in the Gospels where he doesn't, where he addresses him as God rather than Father. And do you know where that was? When he was on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. Because at that moment, he was not aware, not, not, not conscious of the Father's love for him because he was bearing our sin and he became a curse, Paul says in Galatians. He became the object of wrath at that moment in his humanity. He was unaware, or un, he was not conscious of the Father's love. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That awful moment in Jesus' life when he descended into the depths of God's judgment gained us access to the Father, into the presence of God so that you and I can call him Abba, Daddy, Father. Jesus Paid it all. That was the cost of our adoption. These are the privileges we've received in this new family. Because of Christ, you're no longer a child of wrath. You're no longer a slave to the law. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of the living God. Your sins have been forgiven. The law has been satisfied. You're clothed in the righteousness of your elder brother. You're indwelt by the Spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the best is still yet to come. And in the meantime, during this life, you have full access to God as your Father. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. 1 John 3.1. That's our identity. This is your identity. This is what your life is really all about. You're a child of the living God. We need to remember our identity. Satan wants us to doubt this glorious news. He, he, he wants us to doubt the love of our Father in heaven. He wants us to fix our eyes upon ourselves, our past failures, our present guilt, so that it seems impossible that the Father could love us in this way. But the answer is Jesus. Look to Christ. Look to your elder brother. Our status as adopted children is not a matter of our worthiness or achievement, but of God's love and grace to us in Christ, who was worthy and achieved it all in our place. This is the good news. This is what your life is about. If you're a believer, you're an adopted child of God. Through Christ, you have access to the Father 
and you're under His care and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit who leads you and directs you to live your whole life in the light of the knowledge that God is your Father in heaven. And so we pray to Him as such, we imitate Him as such, and we trust Him as such. This is what we want to think about over these next few days. Let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, we come to you through Christ, your Son, who has become our elder brother, and our prophet, our priest, our king, our mediator. Oh Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for all that you have given us. Lord, this news is so good, it seems too good to be true. But thank you for sending your Spirit into our hearts, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Thank you for giving us access through the blood of Jesus, your Son. Thank you for clothing us in his righteousness so that we are an heir of eternity, so that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, imperishable, undefiled, and reserved in heaven for us. Oh, Father, impress these things upon us by your Spirit more and more and cause us, we pray, to imitate you as little children, to trust in you, and to pray to you as Father. For we ask this in the name of Jesus, our elder brother. Amen.